Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbooked job, by any means possible. It could be investing, could be having a side hustle, freelancing, starting your own business, everything and anything. And so today, we're going to be talking with an expert who created a software company from scratch, from an Excel sheet, and then built into a big business, and now is doing a fantastic job, literally helping thousands and thousands of people to budget, as well as make himself money for he and his family to live successfully unemployed. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, Here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Now, I've always thought it'd be fantastic to have a software company that helps people, that makes me money, and the software basically sells itself. Well, today I brought on an expert who has literally done this, and back in 2005, I want to say maybe 2004, 2005, my wife and I found a software. And this software is a great budgeting tool. And it turns out that this software from 2005, which basically was just an Excel sheet, now is a big company helping lots and lots of people to budget their money and also teaching people how to be financially wise with their money. And I know that real estate investing can absolutely change your life. And I want to get you started investing in real estate. Get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Or you can just look in the description and find masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Again, rental to 33777. I'll give you my free real estate investing course. So get that right away. Now let's get into it where I interview Jesse Meekham of YNAB, Y-N-A-B.com, the awesome software that helps people to budget their money. And he is going to show us how you can actually start your own software company helping other people and making money to provide for yourself and your family. All right, let's get into it. Jesse Meekham, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Man, I'm super excited to hear that you're going to come on the show, especially because I've known about your software that uh, it's, you need a budget, and it's a software helping people to budget. I'm definitely not a numbers person. In fact, like numbers literally disappear in my brain. Like they go in and they literally just flutter away. My wife is a budget person, so she loves budgets. And you created something that I heard of like, like 15 years ago. My friends were using it from my church and they were recommending us. And so it was really great to have you on. So I want to know, how do you make money to provide for your family without working that dead end, just overbroke job? We essentially teach people, and I'll say we the whole time because it's an entire team of people. But uh, at one point it was just me and then it's just kind of grown from there. But we teach people um, how to think about their money differently. And then we teach for free. But the way we make money is we'll sell people the software that they can then use to implement what we teach. And the software is uh, what pays the bills, keeps the lights on, and feeds the families. So that is it in the, the smallest nutshell I could give you. So I'm going to jump into your background, but then I also going to ask you a question like, did the software come first or the teaching come first? Well, let's talk about your background. What, what were you doing before? Were you trying to climb the corporate ladder? And then what got you to where you can actually quit and get over that nervousness of actually quitting that J-O-B? I started what we call YNAB. I, I started YNAB in 2004. I was a junior in college working on a master's degree in accounting. So I maybe more like your wife, I was wired for like holding on to those numbers for a little bit longer. And um, I 
I would my plan and uh, Julie, my wife, who I'll mention probably a lot, was fully on board with this. Was the idea of you know become a CPA, work for a big accounting firm. There are four large accounting firms, and uh, work for one of them and climb that ladder, become a partner. And I had heard they make three hundred grand a year, and I thought I could get by. I can get by on three hundred grand a year. That's not too shabby, you know. And so that was the plan. The only real problem with it was. We decided early on we were newlyweds, pretty broke and all that. And we had created YNAB just for the two of us. And it was working well, but we were, I mean, we just weren't making, um, we weren't making enough to have Julie be able to step out of the workforce once our first came along. And, and we both desperately wanted her to be able to do that. So with our, our first baby coming, I thought maybe I would just sell this little spreadsheet I had made and be able to, you know, have people... PayPal me money or something. This is back before phones and all the fancy stuff. And then they could just, they could have the spreadsheet and I could make a little bit of money, just enough to kind of bridge that gap for us while I was still in school. And uh, Julie was, you know, had stepped out of the workforce. So it was originally not a software and not education. It was originally uh, one couple's spreadsheet that they had cobbled together. And only after I kind of worked it for a while did I realize, oh, there's something here. There's something, there's a method here behind the spreadsheet. And that was where it started to kind of take off a little bit. That is awesome. And then you're working as accountant or you're going to be an accountant. And then what made that shift to where you could say, you know what, I'm going to make this YNAB a full-time business and be able to provide for all of us. Yeah, it was. It, so I, I did not think that YNAB was going to be anything. I thought it'd be a little side gig, you know, and it was, it was, Originally conceived to carry us through school, I could study for my CPA exam. I passed that in a month, which is, I mean, it was a ton of work. And I'm thinking, CPA, here we go. And I was good at it. And so I, I got out of, of school. I got out of a really good program here at Brigham Young University. And we had, you know, everyone got a job. And so I landed at a big four firm, just as planned, in a big city. And I started working there uh, 80 hours a week. And they were paying us at the time. I don't know what they pay now, but at the time, it was 45 grand a year. And you were working 80 hours a week and you start to do the math and it, it doesn't look that great no. from an hourly standpoint. In the meantime, we had a second baby come along. And so I've got this wife in this new city. Um, I never see her and I never see these two little boys. And there was one Saturday where my two-year-old Porter, he, he did something that made me mad. Now, do two-year-olds ever make you mad? Absolutely. But I reacted. I yelled at him. I reacted so poorly. I was stressed. I was tired. My fuse was so short, embarrassingly short. Julie turns on me and was just like, you get hours with these kids per week and you're going to spend some of that time doing that. And when she said it, it was so true and so perfectly executed on her part that I just, it, I mean, I just knew, yeah, that, that was awful. And it was the start of my thinking, this, this is not sustainable. The, this is just not going to work. The whole time I'm working 80 hours a week, I'd get up at 4 a.m. and I'd work on YNAB from 4 to 5 a.m. I'd hit the gym and I'd go to work. So those, that one hour, I started to kind of get the flywheel going a little bit. And we had released, we'd replaced the spreadsheet and released real software at that point. We were about a year and a half, two years in. And with the release of actual software and not just a spreadsheet, the money was starting to roll in. I was paying one contractor who would uh, do the engineering for me. I was doing all the support, marketing, everything else from four to 5 AM, you know, Monday through Friday. I uh, realized looking at like about a, about eight months of numbers, I realized that I was making twice what I was making at my accounting job at YNAB. 
So making 45 grand a year. And I think I looked at the numbers and I was like, I think I'm going to do 90 or 95 this year in profits. I, I'm embarrassed, Dustin, to say this, but even looking at the numbers like, hey, you're making twice as much money spending a fraction of the time. Even then, I I was hesitant to, I just couldn't believe that I could support this small and growing family with just off of you know what was conceivably an idea and just me. So there's more to the story, but I'll pause there and maybe let you interject. I, it was, I'm amazed that it was so, uh, I felt it was so risky to try to do something on my own. And we all, as we are working for somebody else, we feel comfortable or it makes us feel comfortable because we get a steady paycheck. I went through the exact same thing when I knew I should quit my job, but it took me an extra two years to actually do it because I was nervous, even though I got laid off and I told you the story in your show, uh, but I literally got laid off and I know that literally the job can be taken away from you in two seconds. But even then I was like, well, I still got that paycheck. And it's just kind of, it's that security blanket that you have. But then it, for me, it came a time where I absolutely realized I'm losing money working here. Even though I was making 75, $80,000 a year, I'm losing money working here. I can make so much more money not working here, working for myself. Plus I'll be so much more happy. I'll be able to do whatever I want. And so I think that's brilliant that you then had to make a decision. And it's, it's always some sort of catalyst that we have in our lives to kind of shake us. And yours seems like your wife and your, your two-year-old son, that was a huge catalyst. And for me, it was me waking up and uh, losing my job and having basically being um, unemployed. So from there, now I want to jump into the actual nuts and bolts of the basically the company because it started with an Excel sheet, which is super cool, into a software and then into now your education and providing a software. So I love the business model. You know, it's kind of like, I wouldn't say the Google model, but Google gives away so much stuff. And then obviously we're the customers because we are, uh, sorry, we're the product that they're selling to their customers in ads. So you have it to where you're literally just giving lots of stuff away and you have a software. So let's start from the scratch. I'm gonna think, I wanna create a software. I have something that let's say it's calculating how to buy a real estate property faster, better, whatever. And I wanna create a software. It's all in Excel, like literally sheet after sheet after sheet. How would I then turn that into, or number one, should I just start selling that and start making money there to then be able to afford a contract? Like how would I turn that into a product? Yeah, I, I would, um, I mean, I'm biased because I've seen it work one time. So you kinda gotta take it for what it's worth. But I, um, I think, it's a real stress test on the value proposition for what you're what you've built. If you can say, "Hey, this is quote unquote just a spreadsheet," but there's inherent value here. There's a ton of knowledge here imbued in all of the formulas and the outputs that come along. So, yes, you're buying just a spreadsheet and not a fancy UI, but you're buying a method. You're buying experience that's all just built in. And what we were selling was. We, you know, our four rules for budgeting, we're saying give every dollar a job, embrace your true expenses, roll with the punches, aid your money. Those four rules, they're free. Anyone can see them. But the idea that then you could say, we will teach you this over and over again to unlock for you a new way of thinking. Now we have this software. And if you want to implement in the most seamless way that we can possibly conceive of to these four rules, here's the software. I did want to make one caveat. We are a little bit of a an anomaly in the space because as you mentioned with Google, people being the product, one business model we've chosen to hang on just dearly to is the customer pays us for the software and we do not make money in any other way. Because we're dealing with financial data and all that that entails, 
I wanted that transaction to be super clean. Now there are financial tools where you are the product and they'll, they, they make money getting leads and things like that. That's not the route we go. Some people decide that's worth it to them. That that's totally fine. It's clearly worth it to many people. That's just not what I've ever, I don't know. I just haven't ever been excited by saying, oh yeah, the data is the product. Uh, so when we make money, it's because someone had their credit card, you know, they swiped their card and paid us. I do too. And give you an example, like when I get my rent check from rental properties or somebody hires me or pays me to coach them in real estate, it is a validation of all the hard work that I've put in to get to this point where they said, you know what? Yes, I'm going to go with Dustin to actually do this or go with YNAB to actually help me with budgeting. It's a it's a validation and it just makes you feel like, man, somebody appreciated all the hard work that I put into it. Yeah. Okay, so I love the idea. No trickery. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you take the, you know, you have a product and then you want to now, you know, let's say you're selling it, and I love the, like you're, you're helping them not just an Excel sheet. I could sell you an Excel sheet, but it's, if it's not, doesn't have the uh, principles behind it, like you said, the four principles that you have, or even give you the direction on which way to use it or all that sort of stuff, it's going to not really function the way you want it to be. Some people might get it to work, but the last thing that you and I, I know you and I are very similar in a sense that we're providing a product or we're providing, providing something for somebody. And it, for me, like when if somebody buys into my courses or coaching, if they only get through like 20% of my course, I'm like, oh man, there's so, like, if you just get through it and you push yourself through it, you're going to do it and you're going to be successful just like you. Like if you just use the product and actually implement it, you're going to do really well in your budgeting and your life's going to be changed. So, okay. So let's jump into, if we have the Neva Excel sheet, how do we find some, like, that's my first thought is like, how would I find somebody good enough that's actually going to provide a code for it and make sure that it's a software that works and then also like protect it so nobody steals it and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. On the spreadsheet, you probably would just say, well, it's going to be stolen. That's what I had to say. I just thought, well, it'll be copied. You, you rely on your marketing presence. You rely on your brand. You rely on all these other intangibles that you have that are that are valuable. So um, code can be copied, you know, ad nauseum. So you, you have to kind of set that aside and say, I'm really selling more than just the literal bits. Um, but that's kind of one aside. On the finding the right person, I don't have any specific advice. I do have some cautions, though. Um, many times when it's a technical need, people will often quickly default to, well, I need to find a technical partner. And it is, you need to think of partnering with someone before we even get into comp. You need to think about partnering with someone a lot like the way you think about marrying someone. It You are intra, like not intimately, that's the wrong word probably, but like you are just crazy intertwined with that person from then on. And it is a bear to unwind that. So when you are choosing someone to help you implement, I mean, this could be any part of a job, but the technical aspect is particularly um, cautionary because it can be a total opaque kind of black box for you. So when you hire that person, you need to view it like a marriage and you need to be very picky. You do not settle because you need someone quote unquote right now. It's better to hire slow and right than fast and wrong. And that, so those are just some kind of adages that people can run with there. Are, I mean, you know, you can put yourself out there and you can put up ads and you obviously would do very well networking and, you know, a friend of a friend is much, I'm not saying the, your uncle or something like that. I'm saying real networking to gather candidates and then really be scrutinizing as far as is this a fit. Take your time vetting these candidates to make sure you actually land on the right one. I got lucky with my 
my uh, technical partner the, who owns a little part of the business, I got lucky with him, just straight up luck. And I'm blessed for it and grateful every day for it. Um, but the odds of that happening again for us, um, they're, they're small. So just know that people tend to just be really excited to partner up because they want to have someone else that will be excited with them. They want to have someone else that shares the vision. They don't want to be alone. So we tend to kind of grab partners quickly and be like, hey, let's share equity. Hey, let's be part owners. No, this is marriage we're talking about. Proceed with caution. I love that. And the statement you said is hire slow. So I also have that saying in my businesses, and I also have something, you probably already know this, but I hire slow, but I fire fast. As soon as somebody's in the wrong position, wrong in the wrong place, I get rid of them or I try to figure out where I can fit them in. But as soon as they're in the wrong place, I know it's better for them if they move on and better for us. So I love the idea of, or I love the caution that you're saying, because I have had quite a few partnerships growing up because I've always been an entrepreneur. I always wanted to have a business and I use the, okay, you have this skill set. I have this skill set and we partner together and do it. I've at least probably three or four times doing the partnership. And the sad thing is it realized that I, it seems like, and it's probably just me, but it seems like I'm doing the majority of the work. I get half of the profits or whatever portion share you get, but I get 100% of the liability of everything. So it's like, it's just, I didn't see it working well for me. I'm old enough now and have plenty of businesses and have plenty of experience. I will never have another partner. In fact, my wife, she's the only partner I'll ever need. So, but if somebody, yeah, if somebody needs um, to bring on a partner, I would definitely go along with exactly what you're saying, Jesse. Okay, so let's say we're going to hire out. We want to find somebody and you're 100% right, hiring slow. Do we just go, I mean, like I know there are websites like Fiverr or, you know, freelance people and stuff like that. Should we do something like it or find like a big company that has a lot of employees? What are your thoughts there? I haven't been on Fiverr for years. Um, we've had experience in the past with, with um, you know, like I think it was Odesk. I think it's maybe Upwork now or something like that. These freelancers. I would use sites like that for um, something like I need a good copy editor or um, I need... I don't know, something fairly mundane or, or just meticulously done that I cannot do. I need another set of eyes on something. Perhaps I found a great copy editor through Upwork years ago, still user. Oh, on the larger businesses, the big firms, we went that route uh, twice and both times ended up spending tens of thousands of dollars for nothing. I mean, just because you're going with a big firm does not mean you are getting a lot of talent. So these big firms have different levels of experience within them, and you could be paying top tier rates for someone that has one, two years experience, maybe a little flashy portfolio, and you're looking at the firm's portfolio, but you're being farmed out to a single account manager, a single designer, a single engineer. Uh, that that doesn't always bode well. It didn't for us, at least. I would try and find twice, individuals that want, yeah, twice, and uh, and to the tune of gosh, so much money. I, I could have bought a lot of rentals, you know, if I had, had I had that money, now. but, um, I, I really, I really wish that people would, um, treat it more like a job, view them as, as someone that would be full-time, if not now, then very soon in the future, the, the tech support, the building, the maintenance will never stop and make sure that you, I, I would plug into your network. I would start to ask and, and have lunches and, and, look around locally and try and find someone that you really, that, that you resonate with. I, I wouldn't, um, and if you could at all possible, I would try and keep it close to home. 
so to speak. So you can chase rates where someone can say, Hey, for, you know, we only charge this much per hour. Um, we also have tried that over the years and have not had a good experience. You end up redoing things and, um, paying just as much or more, uh, after the fact. So that's one guy's experience. Everyone can take that for what it's worth, but, um, we've always just viewed it as this is a long-term arrangement that will keep requiring support. So we want to find, uh, like a legitimate full-time hire. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. And you said one, your one guy, you know, suggestion. I'm, I would absolutely 100% echo that because I'd rather get good employees or get good people working for me, paying them to do it right the first time, rather than having to either do the work over again or scrap everything that they that's other, you know, poorly, poorly well or poorly done product or all that money being thrown good, good money after bad, like all that sort of stuff. Like you just really, I think, do it right the first time. You'll be so much more happy. Okay. So next question that comes to my mind is, do we just do apps now? Like, is there no reason to do, or should it all be like a cloud-based where it's all on a website where a desktop or a phone can like, what is it now? Like, what's your vision? What do you see for the future of this, you know, product that we should eventually be using on mostly on our phones, I guess. Yeah. I, it's interesting just speaking for our own product where we're having people manage their money, you know, we want them to be able to walk into a big box hardware store and be able to check their home maintenance category and know that they've got $300 there. So they should buy the new, you know, DeWalt miter saw or whatever. Like they, they, like that's the kind of, we want that in the moment, the context. So my, my brain immediately goes toward, you know, 10 years out, what will UI be like? I think phones are now almost, almost a necessity. We were late to the phone party. We were late to the web app party. Um, we actually are on Alexa. You can ask Alexa, like, Hey Alexa, how much is in my groceries category? And she'll tell you, but she'll tell your friends too. So you gotta, you gotta be careful, you know, um, cause your friends will ask, but it's, I, I think there could be a place for, for voice interaction at some point as well. Um, I'm really intrigued by augmented reality where you could be doing your budget by sitting at your desk or sitting at the kitchen table with your wife and you're literally like manipulating money on the table. And now you don't have to be a numbers guy. Like you were saying, you aren't, you know, you're just like, oh yeah, let's make this pile bigger. Cause this is for vacation or let's put this money into debt. Maybe the debt is a hole in the table and the dollars just disappear. You know, I don't know what it would be, but there, there are ways that we could interact with that information that could be interesting. So I do think apps are almost, almost a given. Um, but I would just caution people to do it the whatever service they're trying to build into the software, is there any way that you could test the value and do everything manually for a while to see if it actually will, will take? So can you get to a value, like a product fit? For instance, I had a, a, a friend's son ask me for advice and he, he's this event planner and he had this idea for essentially Airbnb for weddings and here in utah there are lots of weddings lots of beautiful backyards and he was like you don't have to pay huge rates for these venues you could use these beautiful backyards of people and they're only using their backyard maybe once a year once every three years for these events he had this long list of beautiful backyards and he was an event planner and he was saying i could build an airbnb to facilitate this and i was just trying to convince him i didn't successfully but i was trying to convince him like just you're, you're the app right now, your brain, you know, so you are just the matchmaker here. Don't go off and build some platform. Just see if you can add value by being this middleman in there and, and connecting, you know, the venue to the, the, the buyer. Um, but it wasn't as sexy as, 
as an app would have sounded. That's so sad that this gentleman that you're talking to didn't take any advice from somebody who's been doing this since 2004. That is just so sad. At least if if I were talking to you and say, hey, Jesse, this is my plan. What are your thoughts? He said, do it X, Y, and Z. I'd be like, okay. Like, I just, I, I, I trust that you're an expert. You literally have the success. Anyways, okay. That's just, that's just sad that people don't take advice like that. Okay. That's why I love having the show because I get to meet great people like you and I get to learn a ton. I, I have plenty of my own businesses, but like, who knows, maybe I want to start another business or this business or whatever. It just, it's so great to learn all the different ways that are out there. Plus sharing with everybody else how to do it. Okay. So also what goes in my mind as we're thinking about creating an app, let's say we already, or not just an app, but like a software, a product that somebody's buying. That's like technology app could be a desktop program, uh, cloud-based, whatever it might be. But the other aspect is getting people to actually want to use it or want to pay you money to use it. That is where you talked about building a brand, building a presence and getting principles that people are going to buy into and say, you know what, I'm going to go with YNAB because I've learned how to successfully, or uh, I guess as best I can, figure out how to do the budget. And then this is a great software. How did you, how did that come about? And how do you utilize that to make sure that you're getting more customers. In 2004, five, six blogs were, were still kind of new ish and, uh, everyone was starting up a blog and I thought, oh yeah, YNAB needs a blog. And so my goal was simply to write an article every single day, every day. That was a lot of times what I spent my four to 5 AM doing. And I was just content marketing this. Uh, I don't believe Twitter existed. Um, Google existed. Absolutely. But, uh, AdWords were five cents a click back in the day. And so I would spend money on ads and it wasn't that competitive. And I would write an article every day. And then as we moved along in 2010, I started seeing like, oh, podcast, that's kind of a thing. Maybe, you know, it was definitely a maybe in 2010. So I think it was, it was maybe 2011. I launched uh, the Wine Ab podcast and I just said, okay, I'm going to do this for a year and I'm going to do one episode every week. So it was the same mentality. It was like, okay, this content strategy of articles, this could probably work. I'm going to write an article every day. And then a few years later, it was like, oh, this podcast thing, this could probably work. I'm going to put out an, an episode every week. Now you look and there's, you know, there's a podcast for every niche of a niche of a niche, right? But it, I only say that because you look and you see, okay, what's working? And then you need to commit and say, I'm standing at the beginning of a trench that needs to be dug. And my job for the next however long you decide, and it needs to be subs like substantial. Don't flake out on me here. Not like three weeks. You just are going to say, yeah, like, yeah, no, not, we're not, we don't deal in weeks here at all. You know, like a year would be good. Yeah. But you would say, I'm going to dig this trench. I'm going to see what happens. So every day you grab the shovel and you dig and you dig and you dig. That is how you learn one, is this working? Right. And then you can pivot if it's not, but you've given yourself a minimum because people quite often will say, Oh, that's not working. And they, they barely got started. You know, they've just barely started at all. So you got to give yourself a long enough time frame to actually get the reps in to say, Is this working? Number two, you will get better at it as you go. You, you may even develop expertise in the arena. I'm now a pretty good content marketer. We have a whole team that does the content way better than I ever did, but I've been in it so long. Now it's, you know, we're on Instagram and then lo and behold, Dustin, like a few, what was it? A couple years ago, uh, my team's like, Hey, we're going to, it might've been gosh, just last year. I can't remember but they're like, Hey, we're going to be on, we're going to try TikTok." and I'm 40. So I'm like, what, you know, I don't get it. Like I'm past that. But 
I, I knew enough to say, oh, maybe the winds have shifted a little bit. And so you could see that in social, suddenly Facebook ads started becoming a thing. And you, that's how you content market. And then it shifted toward now Instagram. And now we're looking at influencers. It just what I'm saying is it never stays the same, but you have to settle in and dig the trench in that area to develop expertise and actually have a material impact on your business. There is no get rich quick. There's no fast. There's no tip. And my word, turn off all of the articles that say like 10 best ways to do this. And here's how, you know, what's the best way? Just like y'all, y'all are cursed by information. You just have to turn off the internet and produce things for a good long while. And then uh, you'll get good at it and people will start to recognize the value and, and pay you for it. And I want to touch on, cause I love that idea. I've been building content for master passive income for since 2015, just little by little. And then I look back over this many years, I'm like, Oh my goodness, if I had to recreate everything, it would take me just as long. It's there's so much content that I've created, then obviously successfully unemployed and all the other businesses that I've created. Now, I'm thinking, okay, so we're gonna have if we're gonna go down this route, we want to be and you educate people, right? Because you, number one, you just need to help them know that they need a budget. That's right. You need a budget appropriately titled software telling them you need a budget, very appropriate, kind of like my pillow. It's like people like, oh, my pillow. It's my pillow. It's very great branding. So you know budget. So it's telling them they need a budget. So if we're going to be creating something that is uh, need a lot of education in order for somebody to want to buy it, because I don't want to buy a budget program because I don't want a budget, but I'm told that I need it. And then I start learning that it, it's a beneficial and help. So talk to us about that. Obviously, we podcast and let's say we have a YouTube channel, write articles, and we're starting to get that content out there. But teaching that stuff in order to get them to buy that extra content. Just like with me, I teach investing in real estate. I have my podcast, YouTube videos, articles, like literally I give away so much information. And the reason why this is free information on how to do it. The reason why is because I can teach anybody how to invest in real estate, but I cannot get them over that hurdle to say, yes, I can do it and I'm going to do it. And it takes that much free information for them to actually want to go further. So talk to us about that. Like, how do we know if we need to be a content teacher? Like we're teaching this stuff in order to get this software sold. I would test it. I would see if you could position yourself in that way. As an expert, you have to have a little bit of ego and you have to say like, hey, I, I think I'm an expert in this. I have an opinion that's worth sharing. And that's, that's you know, above and beyond social media where everyone's opinion is always worth sharing. Like it's legit, like you legitimately have thought about this long and hard and, and have some value to offer. Um, I've found it to be probably just for my personality a really fun way to sell because I want to teach people. I'm naturally a teacher. I, I lean that way. If I'm in a store and someone, you know, we're both staring at TVs and someone's like, I'm thinking about getting this one. I'll probably go into teacher mode. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, well, I had, I had this thought. Like it's just kind of in my blood and hopefully people don't find it terribly overbearing, but I've always liked it because teaching sells. It's just, it's about figuring out where someone's stumbling blocks are, figuring out where their knowledge isn't quite crossing the chasm and then closing that gap. And the fun thing is if you're good at talking, good at writing, good at video presenting, there are so many different mediums that are all executing on that same angle of saying, we are teaching this. And the master teachers know how they can approach a total novice in a space and and meet them where they're at and YNAB is still we're still working on that we're still working on okay someone says they don't think they need a budget 
we have some work here to do, or they think a, bru- a budget is about dieting or restriction. There's some work for us to do here. So we've we've had to make sure we try and claw our, well, our way out of that curse of knowledge and be able to meet people where they are. But I, I don't know if I could say, how do you know you should teach or not? I just have found that it's personally for me, just where it fits really nicely with my personality. And then we hire, literally, we hire professional teachers that worked, you know, that are trained and they worked in public education or, I mean, they, they're just naturally gifted teachers. We hire them and they run our workshops and, and we, we hire people that are on our live chat or email support. I mean, they're teachers at heart and they give the best support. They just, they won't give up on someone. It's, it's really fun, really fun to watch. I would say that I'm, I definitely am much more of a teacher and I enjoy teaching. It's just a lot of fun. So there's one word that you brought up and there's a word ego and I'm going to push back a little bit and in a, in a good way where you said you have to have like, it, it may be like you're, it's a little bit of egotistic or like you have an ego and it comes across like you're teaching, you're teaching about, you're pushing your information out there. I would like to switch that. Or what I do is I switch that because I used to, I'm not a self-promoter. I hate marketing myself. I don't want to be prideful. The Bible says we, that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I'm like, I don't want to be proud. So I fight against that. Then I realize also at the same time, I could have a different perspective. If somebody needs something that I am offering, but I'm not giving it to them, I'm doing them a disservice by just not even opening my mouth. And so that's what got me over the hurdle to be able to say, you know what? I have something to offer. And now, you know, hundreds of students later, they're really happy. And so now we're just like, oh, it's a validation. So that's what a little, little bit of pushback, like just change the perspective. Like people need this and I'm doing them a disservice if I do not help them. Yeah, it does. And I think, um, I think ego is probably, that's like the lowercase E version of it where we're just trying to say like, you need to be kind of confident enough to be able to say, yeah, what I, what I am saying is right. And, and I think it's more of a confidence thing than an ego thing. I will say one thing to kind of pile onto what you were talking about, some really fantastic advice I got from someone quite a while back. They, they were talking about, you know, when someone comes up to you, Dustin and says, you know, like, what's your secret? How did you do this? What, I mean, you, you would get that a lot. And, and I get that too, especially like maybe a generation, you know, younger or something, they'll say, what did you do? What did you do here? And he said, the worst thing you can tell one of these people that are asking you, how do you do this? The worst thing you can say is luck. Now I can see why people would say luck because they want to be humble. They want to be able to kind of, uh, they eschew the spotlight. They eschew like that self aggrandizement. And they want to say like, oh no, like I just got lucky or blessed. Blessed could be a little imposter. Like we say blessed, but do we mean lucky? And so we got to be careful there. And only because, and this is what helped me out. He said, if you, if you tell someone, oh, I'm just blessed or I'm just lucky, even though we are all so blessed, what you're not giving them anything that they can do. You're not giving them anything that they can like latch onto and say, okay, I have some hope now placed here. If you and I just walk around and say, oh, we got a little lucky, you know, timing was right, this or that thing. I mean, I'm glad that apps weren't around four years before when I launched the spreadsheet, because I don't know if people would have given it the time of day if it wasn't a full-blown app that required a bunch of money to develop. So did I get lucky? Yeah, absolutely. There was luck involved. Should I tell that to someone that's wondering how to get started? No. You can maybe work it in there somewhere along the way and say like, hey, you know, there is some luck here involved, but here's my story. See what you can learn from it. I find it, I don't know. I find that to be helpful advice. Absolutely. And I, I think that luck is only basically you and I are entrepreneurs people who are problem solvers, figuring out there's a problem here 
And it might be luck, or we can kind of term it as luck because it was the right time, right place, whatever. But we figured out how to make sure that it works for us instead of just, you know, it didn't just fall on our lap. It just, we had to work for it. So, so there's two other big things I really would like to know. Number one, and I'll, I'll throw them at you right now, ads. Like, should we throw ads, like put money towards getting our product out there? And the second one would be hiring. So, you know, hiring staff, hiring people to actually do work because those are both money that comes out of pocket where most entrepreneurs are like, oh, I'm trying to hold on to every penny because I need it for blah, blah, blah. And, but they don't realize that this can help you grow your business. So talk to us about ads first. What are your thoughts about ads and should we do them? Yeah, it would totally just depend on the space. It is certainly worth testing because it's so easy to test and spin up and see it. So you would, you know, you allocate a budget to it. When I first started in 2004, I sat down with Julie and I said, okay, we have $63 in our personal budget that we can take out and devote to ads <laughs> and see if this works. And like I mentioned earlier, it's five cents a click. So I could take the 60 bucks and with the help of Google and all the magic that they invented, I could actually get visitors and we could start to see like, is this converting? Is it doing what it's supposed to do? And it did convert enough to keep going. It didn't, it didn't convert where it's like, oh my gosh, we have an overnight success. It converted just enough to be like, oh, okay, this is kind of fun. This is kind of intriguing. I could keep going. So have a budget for your ads and decide like how much is worth testing. That's one. Cause it could be that you're in a space where it works. It is highly competitive. It is not something that's set it and forget it at all. Not even close. It's something you have to look at regularly. It is far more or far less passive, I should say, than your real estate investing by a mile. So if anyone thinks they can just set up their ads and clickety clackety and they've got money, no, it's not even not even close to that. It used to be 15 years ago. You could you could come back a month later and cash the check, so to speak, but but not now. Um, on the hiring front. We have all kinds of, of strategies around hiring specifically, but just speaking broadly about the value exchange that happens, entrepreneurs need to make sure that they are using their time wisely. And, and that's like this, that's old school. I mean, it almost sounds cliche, like use your time wisely, but you have to recognize that using your time wisely so much of the time means building systems that other people can step into and then have their own efforts magnified. So I can hire the most brilliant engineer, but if it takes that engineer four months to get up to speed in our code, she'll quit, absolutely, because that's just not a fun place to work. And it's a it's important of things to come with onboarding that poor. But it also means that she's just not utilized for way too long. So we need to think about the business as a structure in which other people can then walk and start adding value as fast as possible. It all goes back to using your time wisely because when you're sitting there and you're designing your business, you're designing processes, you're designing these systems to amplify the efforts of others, that is the wisest use of time. It's, it's, a, it's a play on leverage. It's a play on recognizing that you don't know everything. You probably know the least. It's a play on um, expertise and making sure that the, the, that you have experts that just know everything about that space and you can know enough to be conversant, but they can just, I mean, you find the right team members and it's, it's like striking gold. You just don't want it any different at all. So I would just encourage any entrepreneurs to recognize that finding the right person and having them land in a place 
where the systems allow them to thrive and and flourish and add value. It just doesn't get any better than that. Oh, Matt. So Jesse, I have loads of more questions, but I definitely want to uh, value your time, like like support and just lots of other things. But you've given us such a great overview. Now let's jump into the rapid fire round. Now this is rapid fire round where the questions are short, but your answers don't have to be. So First question, you've got lots of advice. Is there anything else that we might have missed in? I mean, it could even be, hey, you need to have a budget for your business, something like that. Like any other bit of advice that we should know before we get into doing this? You shouldn't have said that, Dustin, because <laughs> that bit about your your business needs a budget. I, I mean, I get a lot of satisfaction out about about teaching individuals, how do you line up your money with your priorities? You got to figure out what you care about. Your money does what you care about. And then things feel good. You then can work on paying off debt and doing all those things that you can find in every personal finance book out there. But when money is lined up with priorities and you're clear on what they are, it feels really good. What gets me really excited about businesses, and I'm, I'm working on a book for business owners. It won't be out for a while. But I mean, you have some portion of money that's flown into you personally, but your business obviously has more money flowing or else that equation never works. So the idea that we could have really clear strategy, really clear alignment on what the business values, where the business makes money. And I was saying using time wisely. Now I'm talking about using money wisely. If we can just be crystal clear on, we spent all this effort to make money for your students, to find a deal, to find the first deal, to find the second deal. You do, you pound the pavement, you're working and working. You got these people working for you. Hopefully they find a deal, you do all the work and then it's like, okay, boom, done. Now the payoff starts to happen but you're doing all that work. And then once all of that effort is converted into a dollar, we business owners are just like, ah, whatever. I'm not, I'm just not good with my books. All oh, my accountant handles that all this, like all of your tenacity and like your high standard of execution just flies out the window <laughs> because you're like not a money person. Oh, what yeah. the heck does that even mean? <laughs> you know? So not to put you on the spot specifically, cause I know you say you're not a numbers guy, but I'm like, nah, he's totally, that's totally BS. He's, <laughs> He totally has it dialed in. The idea, though, that I just want to have a little more effort that people place into their entire business. Let's just take a little bit of that effort. And once that effort is converted into a dollar, let's make sure that it's really doing what we want. That's that's all I'm saying. Awesome. Next question. If you were running to your younger self walking down the street, what advice would you give your younger self? Could be business, life, or whatever it might be. Uh, money is not the only metric by which you can keep score. Yeah, it is a it is a useful one, but it is not the only one. And so, conversely, your younger self would ask, "Well, what is times like time spent with people you want to spend time with? Time spent in relationships that are worth nurturing." Just all I mean, you're talking to a guy that has you know is going to have a senior go off to college here in a little while. Like it's all messing with my head. <laughs> so, yeah, that that kind of like moments, you know, there that's a currency as well. I love that. I completely and wholeheartedly agree with you. So I'll also add to that. There are, I believe that there are four different legacies that somebody needs to leave in their life. Number one, we start working mm. on finances, money. We want to be financially independent. Like that's the number one goal. So be financially uh, free, but also have a legacy to pass down. So financial legacy. The second one would be time legacy, exactly what you're talking about. Like mm -hmm. having time to do what you want, when you want to do it. And the third one ties in exactly what you're talking about is um, along with the time and being with your family is relationship legacy. So first one's money legacy. Second one's time legacy. 
Third one, as you're building through, you get to relationship legacy, so you have extra time to devote to your relationships, to build them up, and so you want to get those strong. The fourth one is service, legacy of service, serving mm -hmm. as many people as you can, and as you go through these legacies, you'll start realizing that life gets richer and more enjoyable because you already have one hurdle that's everybody's trying to go after. If I just had a little bit more money, then my life would be better. Absolutely. Well, if you get there, well, if you only worried about money, like you said, if you're only worried about money, it's just a little bit more. Like Rockefeller said, just a little bit more. And that's just us a little bit more. That's not the thing. So money, then time, then your relationships, develop all those, then you can go out and serve. And then everything else is working really well together. So, okay. Yeah. So last question, what is one book or basically nonfiction a book? It could be about business or life that we should read. So I'll give you two, because you mentioned Rockefeller. The, the biography of Rockefeller called Titan is phenomenal. Just an excellent book about a very interesting individual that you can't judge one way or the other so easily. So just uh, an absolute empire builder. But anyway, an interesting character. Uh, Self-helpy, though, uh, my favorite book by far has been uh, Cal Newport's Deep Work. That's just changed my life. Required reading for every single team member that joins here at YNAM. I, I love autobiographies of of uh, industrial, not industrial, but like uh, uh, captains industry and titans of that. So I've listened to lots of other, I'm, I'm more of a listener than a reader. I, I definitely take in, uh, I learn audibly. So I'm going to have to get both of those. I've heard of deep work many, many times, haven't read it. So I'm definitely going to pick that up. Man, Jesse, thank you so much for this time. You give us so much great wisdom. How can they reach you? How can they check out YNAB or You Need a Budget so that they can get their own budget? Yeah, absolutely. So they can just go to youneedabudget.com. We, we do a, a free 34-day trial on the software. There, We have a whole support team there. We run classes, like 150 classes a week. They're all live. We have great YouTube content that people can go check out and just kind of watch it at their own speed. Like you can watch it at 2x and get there twice as fast, you know. Um, it we're, we're there to serve you, help you change the way you think about your money. Most people just... It's not that they don't intend for it to, to go well. It's just they just aren't quite doing it right. So it's a 34-day free trial. We don't ask for your card up front or do anything sneaky. We want this to be like a totally legit transaction. It's not something you forgot, like some doubled-up Netflix subscription or something. So um, you need a budget.com. And then if people want to reach me specifically, I'm not on any social media. That's another trick I use to stay sane and productive. But um, you can, you know, you can email me at jesse at ynab.com. I don't email back right away, but I do email back. So um, anyway, that's that's where I'm at. And then you can just go check us out and see if uh, we can help you. I mean, I want everyone to make as much money as they can. I just, I also want the money to go off and do what will make them happiest. And that's what a budget really is. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L 
323-733-7777 so you can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, Share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.